What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. Breck, thank you for the great intro there. What's going on, guys? Um, I don't know how you found us once again, but thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangs Wood. Let's get to it. Today, we're uh, going to be jumping in with Jason Becker. He's a wiz- welding wizard, as I like to say, uh, instructor <laughs> and the host of Arc Junkies podcast. Today, we're going to be jumping in talking about his mission to help educate and inspire the next generation of welders. Jason, welcome to the show. Woohoo! Oh, we got to do the clap. I'll... You're doing the shoulder clap, Matt? That looks good. I got to hold the mic here. Jason, we're uh, we're excited to have you on the show. You uh, you got a lot of podcast episodes under your belt, so it's a uh, it's an inspiration to us. And you got you got a good story, man. Thanks, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on the show and uh, asking me to be a part of it. You're also and the you're first ba- of your kind here. <laughs> first of my kind. Yeah, is this first welder, Matt? Yeah, you betcha. I mean, oh, I tried I tried to weld once, but you don't want to see it. How time I come in first in something? There you go. <laughs> You're a pioneer for us on the show. Um, Jason, just uh, for, for us in the sake of the audience, if you could just give us a little quick intro to your background and story and uh, you know how you got to where you are today with uh, being an instructor and doing the podcast thing. Yeah, so I, I started off welding uh, when I was 15 at a trade school. I was able to go to high school you know, and do kind of like a dual enrollment program where you could actually take some of the elective credits over at the vocational school. And one day over the summer, I see my dad cut a piece of chain. So the following so following term, I uh, went ahead and signed up for welding class. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, just melting steel with fire and electricity. It was just, I don't know, there's something something primal that drew me to it. And I, you know, I did that all through high school, got out, joined the Marine Corps. Uh, I was lucky enough to get put on as a welder in the Marine Corps. So I got to travel up to Aberdeen, Maryland, train up there for six months, You know, kind of expand my welding skills. Um, while I was in the Marine Corps, I did two tours overseas, one, uh, once to, uh, Kuwait for about six months and then Iraq for eight months, got to weld over there in, in the desert heat. Uh, so that kind of gives me a new little bit more appreciation for welding in, in hotter climates. Um, came back stateside and got into structural steel ironwork kind of by accident. I just answered an ad in the newspaper. So before there was, uh, Indeed and Monster.com and then jobs on Facebook and Craigslist and all that, we used to, you know, refer to a newspaper. Now I'm showing my age and uh, <laughs> I just, and, um, they, you know, they need an aluminum, aluminum uh, MIG welder. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. You know, go in there and give it a shot. Uh, once I got caught up with kind of, you know, all the aluminum handrails and stuff that they needed done, they put me on structural steel iron. Uh, so that was kind of like a whole new experience for me, man. We're up there walking the beams and, you know, I just kind of fell in love with that too, because once you get up on the steel, like you get to see a different view that other people don't normally see. You know, you get that high up and you just kind of see everything off in the horizon, the distance, people look like little ants. And, you know, a lot of people, all the other trades seem to have more respect for you because they're like, man, I don't know how you do it. You're, you know, you're kind of a badass. And I was like, I'm just here doing my job. Um, mm-hmm. That's but I did some that scary for, shit up there, though. Oh, it's it's scary at times, but it's fun. It's it's it, it, the weird thing is like you you walk up there all morning and you got no problems. And all of a sudden, you know, you go down, grab something for lunch 
get back up on the iron and you take about two steps and all of a sudden, you know, your body wants to go forward, but your feet are like, no, it's oh. like you have magnets in your boot. So you just kind of, kind of talk to yourself and be like, all right, you know, we, we did this a little bit ago, let's go. And you just kind of, kind of get used to it. Um, but I did that for a few years and then I joined the iron workers union out of Orlando and I've got into that structural steel iron work, got a lot more training uh, under my belt, you know, some more welding certifications, rigging, uh, signalman, all kinds of safety, OSHA 10, OSHA 30, um, you know, different pieces of equipment, forklift, uh, articulating man lift, aerial lift, scissor lift, all that good stuff. And then um, I decided, you know, while I was doing that, I was going to work on my bachelor's, or I was going to work on my degree. I wanted to go to school, kind of use up my GI bill that I got while I was in the military. And I was like, well, I want to do something related to welding, but what can I do? And the only thing that I could, the closest thing I could find that was related to welding or related to construction was construction management. So I started down a, a six year path of getting my associate's degree and then, you know, getting my bachelor's degree in construction management. And um, I want to say it was like about halfway through my, my bachelor's degree. My, my professor asked me if I wanted to come teach welding because he knew a little bit about my background and the school was getting ready to fire up their welding program. And I said, no, this teaching's not for me, man. I'm a union iron worker. I'm making good money. I got good benefits. I got no reason to leave. And he's like, uh, he kind of stayed on me for a while. And he's like, well, just, you know, give it a shot. You know, just give me one term and see if you like it. I was like, what the hell? You know, I might as well, you know, because like just looking around at some of the, some of the guys that I was working with is like, there's obviously a lack of some training going on here. So maybe I can help somebody on their path. And, you know, probably within the first couple of weeks of teaching, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, I, I did that for two years over at uh, one college and then another college recruited me. They gave me a, a full-time position because I was working part-time at the college and running a side welding business to meet, to make ends meet because uh, teaching didn't pay near as much as iron work, but uh, I didn't want to leave the students in a bind. And, you know, cause I already made the commitment to them that I was going to teach them how to weld. So I did um, decided to go work for another college because it was a full-time position and been teaching ever since recently I got promoted to the, uh, the manager of the welding program because we're expanding over here at Valencia College down here in Orlando, Florida. Heck yeah. And um, we're putting some new facilities together, adding some more welding booths, getting some more fabrication equipment in there. And I kind of had to step out of the classroom to get everything set up and bring in another welding instructor. So I'm kind of out of the classroom right now. Um, but, you know, kind of still making, you know, I'm still right there with the lab, making sure everything's running nice and smooth. The, the students are getting the education they're paying for. And you, you still get to work with students though? Still get to work with students periodically because we do weld testing at our school. Um, now because uh, of ethics and stuff like that, I can't train or I can't test anybody that I've trained. Okay. So it kind of works out perfect now because my other instructors, they can train them. I can talk to the students, give them some theories some pointers and stuff like that. I just can't train them. And then I can show them the, the whole testing side of, you know, how we test welds okay. and how we qualify welds and how we certify people. Oh, that's awesome. You still get to work with them too. Yeah. You, you mentioned early on that, uh, you know, you didn't know if pe teaching was for you. W where did it finally click for you where you were like, all right, maybe this is the path for me. Okay. This is going to sound cheesy, but uh, anybody that's ever welded before, or I, I guess anything, you know, uh, carpentry, woodworking, plumbing, electrical. When you're teaching somebody something and you can see it in their eye that they finally get it. Like all the information, watch click. you watch it click. I call it the Eureka moment. You can see it in their eyes that it's like, boom. And just watching, you know, people change their lives. Like I've, I've had students that were working dead end jobs, couldn't make ends meet. You know, they had a wife, kids and, you know, just kind of losing everything. And they, they got some 
uh, grant money or some funding to come in and take the program. You teach them how to weld, you know, and they're leaving, leaving out of the program, 18, 20 bucks an hour, you know, working a solid job, got good benefits and everything. They're able to take care of their family and they give you a call back or they stop by the shop and they're like, Hey, you know, you changed my life. And I was like, man, I just showed you how to weld. I didn't. And they're like, no, you put me on a new course and, you know, I'm able to take care of my family and provide for myself and them. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing great things and it's all thanks to you. That's so, I mean, awesome. that, that kind of, that kept me coming back for a long time. And like I said, you know, I still haven't left. So it's working. I guess it's uh, safe to say that some trade careers can change lives. So I think oh, we're yeah. on the right path. What a concept. Yeah. What right. A concept, right. That's what we're trying to push to. Um, so I did, uh, I did quite a bit of research on you, Jason, and uh, y- you'd stated that you've noticed a common theme, that there's a lack of education and skills related to welding. And I'm a firm believer of this too, but at what point did you initially find that this was like the missing component in your space? And what aspect of the uh, whole education did you think was missing the most? It, it kind of started off just because I had some formal background uh, training related to welding because, you know, I took it in school. And then, you know, once again in the uh, the military, getting out there and just kind of seeing guys and, and gals in the industry struggling with what they're trying to do or, you know, they're not able to set up their machine properly because they never had the fundamental understanding of how that machine actually works. You know, somebody just told them, you know, you plug this lead in here and this one in here and you just keep bumping the amps up or adjusting the bolts until it looks and sounds and feels right there's actually a science to it. I mean, amps, you know, they do one thing, volts do another wire feed speed, contact tip to work distance, like all these different variables that, that they didn't know. And I, uh, I was watching a, a, a young journeyman. I was an apprentice at the time. I was watching a young journeyman, you know, try to uh, cut a piece of steel with the oxy fuel torch. And so I walked over there to help him and it, it kind of pissed him off that, you know, this, this young stupid apprentice is going to come over here and tell me how to do my job. Um, but I was like, look, man, you know, your, your gas over here, the, the acetylene, we're just going to bump that down a little bit. We're going to kick up your oxygen and, and let me show you what a difference it makes when you clean your torch tip. And then, you know, as you're cutting, you know, maintain this distance right here and it'll cut nice and clean for you. And it kind of pissed him off. And I was like, sure. okay, so this is a, this is a component <laughs> that's missing. You know, he needs some, he needs some additional skills on the oxy fuel torch, but you know, so I, I think I started kind of teaching there, just sharing the information and knowledge that I learned in the military and other previous schools to some of the coworkers I was working with. And I, I kind of, I guess I was teaching there, but, you know, didn't even really consider teaching. I was just helping out my, you know, my fellow union brother ironworker. I'm sure they were real stoked on that. Some uh, of them were, some of them not so much. <laughs> yeah. Different training routes though. Yeah. So you've mentioned that a big part of your podcast, which switching subjects just a little bit is helping education and to inspire the next generation as they navigate the industry. seems like it's a perfect channel to reach them on a consistent basis. What kind of topics are you finding that the next generation needs most? It's a, that's a hard one because the the welding industry, like it's, it's just so different. And I think that's kind of one thing that, um, that I, I kind of highlight on my podcast is nobody has the same journey. Yeah. Everybody's got a different story, you know, whether you're out there doing structural steel ironwork or you're working out there on the, the pipeline or you're doing nuke facilities or power plants, paper mill shutdowns, uh, getting into NASCAR, welding on cars, you know, monster trucks, all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the common theme is everybody's doing something different. So I try to highlight some of the stuff that I'm familiar with as well as some of the things that I'm not too familiar with because I don't know everything when it comes to welding. They like, you know, I've told people before, the more I learn about welding, the more I realize I don't know nothing about welding. 
you know, so having some of the guests on and talking about their stories and, and hearing the type of work that they do, you know, in, in, inside the same craft that, I, you know, that I'm passionate about, I'm learning more, you know, right along with the audience. But it's completely different from what you do. It's completely different from what I do sometimes. I had a guy reach out to me recently. Um, he said he watches the, the houses get built on Instagram and stuff, but he builds NASCARs and he, he does all like the body panels and then roll cage repairs and stuff like that. And I, I sat there for a second. I was like, can you just send me pictures of this? And he said he wasn't allowed to, therefore I won't share names, but he sent me pictures um, <laughs> because that, that's just what friends do. Yeah. It was some badass stuff. Like, you see this car put together and you don't ever think about the hours of work that went into it or, or how many people had their hands on that project before it actually fucking drove. And it was, it was insane. Yeah. It's all the things coming together. I, I think the one cool thing too, Jason is, is your previously, you know, like, like let's take the world before podcasts and everything, all these industry stories lived in silos. It was only like your buddy that you knew the story. And now that you're kind of like collectively curating it, bringing interesting people together they can say like especially for younger people too they can say oh i I, like i can relate to that journey or that's what is expected of me um as i go down navigating this trade like welding and i think that helps a lot of people too because the construction industry i mean there is a lot of camaraderie too but it's not like a billion people work in the trades and so they're like itching for that story where they can relate to someone and understand the journey of what it's like to go down this path yeah. And I mean, it helps out the listeners a lot of times too, because, you know, they may, they may be having some of the same struggles that, you know, the guests that come on the show, they've already been through. So they can, mm-hmm. you know, kind of avoid some of the same pitfalls and, and avoid some of the same mistakes that they made. So you're kind of living vicariously through somebody else's story every week, you know, so you can kind of see some of the things that you should do, what you shouldn't do, some of the things you should be careful of, uh, maybe some additional training that you, you might want to consider that you've never considered before, because it's going to make you that much better. Uh, more employable and, you know, be able to charge a little bit more for your time. I've, I've noticed that, that even if it doesn't happen to you personally, if you hear about something, for instance, I, I had a buddy cut his arm off with a saw, uh, his guard was pinned and it shouldn't have been. Someone that listens to this right now is going to remember this. You, you kind of keep it in the back of your head and you think about it from time to time. I, I have quite a few of those things. Yeah. So you've done nearly 170 episodes on your podcast that first off that's insane that's like 17 times more than what i want to do um what has been the most common theme that has emerged from your guest in the industry um i gotta dial it back for a little bit because i actually took over the show um this time last year so it was april 2020 that uh, i actually took over the art junkies podcast from my buddy jimmy mcknight he was the original host and creator of the show and right around episode 119, he called me up, says, hey, man, I'm getting out of the, the welding industry. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be doing the podcast anymore, but I, I want to see the podcast live on. And I'd been an avid listener. I mean, that's how I met Jimmy is I was a listener to the podcast before I met him in Houston, Texas. And I said, well, damn, man. I said, um, you know, I'll see if I can call around and make some phone calls and see if anybody's interested. And he's like, no, man, I want you to do it. And I was like, man, I'm... <laughs> I don't know nothing about podcast. And I said, I'm going to think about this one for a minute. So I, I thought, I thought about it for about two weeks and I said, you know what, this is a, a show that's, you know, taught me a lot of lessons. I've, I've learned vicariously through some of the guests. I'd hate to see this resource kind of just go away and die. Yeah. Uh, so if I can step in and fill the shoes and, and kind of carry on the legacy, I'm more than happy to do it. 
so I took over. I've got about 50 episodes uh, under my belt now with the show. But I would say the common theme is the guests, um, even though they're different, they have different stories. They all have a passion for welding. They have a passion for blue collar trades. They have a passion for sharing their knowledge and their skills. I mean, they're not coming on to kind of build up their Instagram profile or get their name out in anywhere in the industry. Uh, they come on the show to give their information freely, you know, to the young up and comers and try and help inspire the next generation of welders. And like I said, you know, help them avoid some of the same mistakes that they've made along the path and, and try to get them, give them a step up, you know, in the industry. I like that. A lot of people, I've personally had quite a few different people hit me up asking to be on the podcast and they think that it's just a surefire yes because they have a big following. Yeah. And I mean, that that's not what we look at at all because it, it truly doesn't help us much. It's more or less the same exact thing you just described with people wanting to help others. That's awesome though. So Matt and I, I, I mean, I've talked to quite a few people about this, but um, I'm sure you've seen this as well. But, you know, like someone coming into the industry or they're working in it, you know, one or two years in, they may find that a specific trade isn't for them. Like they're trying out carpentry and they kind of just give up on it. And they're like, oh, construction's not for me or whatever it is. They kind of just try one trade, doesn't fit them. And they kind of, you know, for the lack of better words, like cancel the industry, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of curious uh, for both of you too. Um, if you were to, f- if you were faced with this problem right now as a next generation uh, uh, trade coming into the industry or working in it, um, and the trade wasn't sitting well with you, how would you go about trying another trade? Hmm. You, want, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I was going to let you go first on this one. I always wanted to be an electrician. Um, I've said that for years. My brother-in-law is an electrician. It is freaking awesome. I I tried to change out, you know, those little, the little plugs that have the USB ports for your phone charger. Yeah. So I tried to put two of those into my kitchen island and I thought I can do that was, this. That was Matt's Eureka moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, this actually takes a turn for the worst. It clicked for me. <laughs> okay, I, keep going. <laughs> I tried to do it without shutting the power off because I thought I won't touch them together. Like I'm, I'm set. I shocked the shit out of myself. And instantly I thought I'm fucking over this. I'm done. But me personally, if it, it's tough for me because I have a family and a wife that needs that income therefore i can't really just up and change i would give it a shot even if it meant i'm young if i could step back go be an apprentice and learn the ropes from somebody else i would i would do it in a heartbeat because there there is no point even if you're 40 something years old you're never too late to to jump into something else so i'd consider it i'd take a pay cut drop back to an apprentice if it meant doing something that i actually enjoyed definitely i mean i would i would first tell somebody like if okay, maybe you don't want to be uh, a carpenter or you don't want to be an electrician or something. You think you want to be a welder. I'm actually talking to a student now that uh, he's in the electrician trade. He's been doing it for, I think, going on seven years. He's a foreman. He's pushing work. And he's like, Heck you know, yeah. what? This, this electrician stuff isn't for me. I want to get into welding. And I was telling him, you know, like, do some research, make sure it's a good career move, you know, stop by the center. You can take a tour. I'll talk to you, answer you any questions. Um, we've been emailing back and forth about different questions he has about welding uh, funding sources and scholarships and stuff like that. But I mean, he's dead set on learning how to weld. So, I mean, if you're, if you're in a trade right now and it's not resonating with you, don't immediately jump out and go get a degree because I mean, that's a pitfall right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. talk to some of the other people in the industry, you know, 
explore some of the other industries. Um, and as, as weird as it sounds like reach out to somebody on Instagram, like most of the people I know on Instagram, they'll, they read their DMS all the time and they're more than happy and willing to share their information and stories. I mean, you can pick their brain about, you know, Hey, what's, what's a day in the life like in a, in, you know, the shoes of an iron worker or the boots of an iron worker, you know, what's it like to be yeah. an electrician? You know, what, you know, what can I look forward to in that trade? So I would say definitely do some research um, and then figure out where to go to get the best training. Talk to some of the people that are currently doing it because uh, mm-hmm. they're like, I couldn't see myself as a heavy equipment operator. I mean, I'd love to do it, but I just don't have the knack for it. I think you got to have a bubble in your ass to be able to do that. You know? <laughs> and, and, and I know people that can do it. They can grade without the, uh, the stakes and all that stuff. And I mean, that's their thing. And, uh, but they're happy doing it. But I mean, if they had to come into the shop and strike an arc for a couple of hours, they'd be hating life. So, but I mean, they're, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's blue collar trades, you know, roads need to be built. Bridges need to be welded together. Uh, try some things out, you know, check into different programs and see what's available. We've hired a lot of kids that think this is what they need to be doing. This is where they want to be. This is their everything and they don't make it. And I'm sorry, but it's not for everybody. None of the trades are specific for a certain person. Like, there's things I definitely couldn't do. I tried doing plumbing once with my grandfather. Shit, I'll never do that again. But like people think like, I want to be a framer because you see the, the pretty things. You see the rad buildings on Instagram or the cool videos on YouTube. And it's that's fun and all, but there's a lot of hard work. You're breaking your back. You're sweating your ass off. And a lot of people don't see that. Yeah, they some see of the, the project. Yeah, some of the youngsters that we've we've hired, they think, man, this stuff is awesome. Like, this is what I want to do but you don't want to pack studs. Therefore, this isn't really what you want to do. You want the end result. Um, Definitely try out more than one path. I mean, you're not locked to anything. I could, I could switch up. I mean, as long as my pay stayed the same, which probably wouldn't, you can switch up and try whatever. Yeah. There, I mean, especially right now, because I mean, construction trades are hurting for people. I think Uh, everybody has a labor shortage right now. So if you wanted to get into a trade right now, I mean, you could probably start off as pretty much whatever you want. I mean, try it out for a couple of weeks. Hell, do a day labor for a little bit. Well, I mean, one of the things I did when I was in the Marine Corps is I did day labor. I did roofing uh, for a while because I had a, a schedule. We were working two days on and two days off. And I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do for two days off? All my buddies, you know, they're at work and I can't go hang out with them because shit, that's work. So uh, a couple of buddies and I, you know, we, were, we had the same schedule. We went down to Able Body and we decided we we're going to be roofers for a couple of weeks. So, you know, that's what we did. We actually helped them re-roof the barracks because we already had the ID or the, uh, the ID badges to get on base. So we were setting trusses and spreading tar and, you know, all that good stuff. And I had a blast doing it, but it, it taught me that, uh, roofing you sucks. Roofing when you grow up. Yeah. That's for damn Thank sure. You. Welling thing, man. <laughs> Sorry to anybody that's a roofer that's listening to this. I, I, I like that you, I, I want to, touch on one thing too. I like that you bring up too, kind of like the, the whole labor shortage and demand, because I think when a lot of younger people are looking towards a career, whether, you know, they want to go the college route or the trade route, whatever it is, you should always be looking at what's the demand for this career in the next few years. Right. It's something that I always tell every single person that kind of like reaches out or we do like a little panel or zoom presentation for some of the younger kids. We always tell them, look, you're going to have a job for a long time because not only do we need infrastructure, housing, like everything, we're in so much of a deficit for housing and infrastructure that you are not going to be out of work for a very long time. 
No. And ultimately, that's the career you should be picking, not some other career you were like, God, I don't even know if this is going to exist, but I'm going to get a degree because everybody says I'm going to get a degree. You should gonna be getting a, a job. Breeder. It's going to pay you and the demand is going to be there for years. Yeah. Everybody wants to get into IT and stuff like that. But I mean, hell, by the time you get into college, the, the textbooks you're working out of are three years outdated. And by the time you graduate, you're 10 years behind the power curve. Yeah. Yep. You guys ever see those memes about the the people on like HGTV where they're searching for houses and they're like, our budget's $3 million. I, <laughs> yeah. I breed guinea pigs and he's a salamander yeah. trainer. Yeah. <laughs> those are my favorite. I'm a part-time yeah. kindergarten teacher and Max here's a stamp collector. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. We're trying to keep it under a mild million. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to get back on track here. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about welding today? And why should more people consider it a career? The biggest misconceptions? I, I think the biggest mix, misconception is it's dark, dirty, and dangerous. Um, is it not? It's not. Uh, I know I know several welders that actually work in a clean room. I'm talking like medical grade facilities. And they're in there welding and they're, they're making ridiculous amounts of money. Not, not, you know, excluding the overtime that they're getting. Um, you know, they're, they're making bank doing it. So, and it's not as dangerous anymore because, I mean, we're more educated. So, you know, everybody, nobody likes OSHA, nobody likes the safety guy, but there's a lot more safety protocols and practices in place as far as like harnesses and respirators and making sure you have the right shade on your welding hood before you go into weld and, you know, that you're wearing the proper equipment and we're actually wearing a welding jacket. We're not welding without our sleeves on. So, you know, cause you can actually get skin cancer from welding. Uh, who'd have thought that, you know, you're playing with an arc 10 times brighter than the sun. Yeah. There's some UV rays there. You might want to consider, um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest misconception is that it's dangerous and it's not, you know, especially if you go get the proper training. I tell my students that I'm going to teach you the right way to do it here and you can learn your bad habits elsewhere, but at least you know how to protect yourself when you leave. Yeah. Because even a lot of the people that are doing the hiring and the, you know, the people that are in leadership positions, they don't have the safety training, you know, because they, they were under the impression, you know, they did the whole fake it till you make it thing. And they did you know pretty decent, had good work ethic. So they were able to work themselves up and learn pretty quickly, but, they may not have learned the, the correct information. See, I'm not going to lie. I always kind of thought it was a dangerous job too, but I mean, it's, like, it's like with anything else. I mean, the, the dangers are there, but if you know how to protect yourself, like mm-hmm. everybody's like, Oh yeah, my grandfather, you know, he was a welder. He told me not to get into it because you know, after 20 years, you know, you go blind. Oh, things have changed a lot since then. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I've, I've, I've been welding. I've been in this game for 23, 24 years and uh, I got 20, 20 vision, you know, like I get to get, get my eyes checked every three years to, to keep my current certs up to date. Um, really? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a certified welding inspector. So every three years I, when I renew, I got to go get an eye exam to make sure I can actually, you know, tell what I'm looking at. Yeah. But I mean, even after all the welding and stuff that I've done, because I was taught how to do it correctly, I still have 20, 20 vision. You know, I, I don't have uh, lung cancer because I wear a respirator or use at the source fume extraction, or I set up a fan or yeah. I don't up the fumes, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, Safety precautions we can take. Kind of goes with anything. PPE is needed, but some people don't use it, and that's where the horror yep. stories come from. Yeah, it's always the tough guys. The tough guys, you know, I don't need to wear sleeves because you know I've I've been doing this long enough to where my skin's pretty much just used to it. No, Jack, and that's that stuff that's growing on your arms. Stage four melanoma skin cancer. Go get it cut off. <laughs> yeah. Can you get a can question? This is going to sound really fucking stupid, but can you get a sunburn from freaking from welding? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got plenty of them. Plenty okay. of them when I was young. And then I had some, some old come up to me and be like, Hey, 
you need to start wearing your welding jacket and your sleeves because look at my arms. And it, it looked like somebody cut them up with a machete. And I was like, damn, do you put your arm in a meat grinder? Nope, that's all the all the skin cancer I got cut out from not wearing sleeves, jackass. So I was wondering the same because you said UV. That's what kind of where I was getting at. But I have a story that follows that. I welded some bag mounts into my, I have an old 63 Chevy C10. I welded the bag mounts in there and I was like kind of straddling the thing while I was welding it. And I was wearing uh, board shorts. And holy shit, the next day, the inside of my freaking thighs and my knees felt like I'd been sitting in the sun for about a day and a half. Yeah. Okay. The worst well, part I, is uh, because you can actually get a sunburn on your eyes. Like medically, it's called photokeratitis, uh, but it's arc flash is the common term for it. But you, you basically, you essentially get a sunburn on your eyes. Oh, and you really shit. don't realize it until like the drive home or as soon as you get in the shower that night. And it's like, man, it just feels like I got sand. Mm-hmm my eyes and every time i blink it's like 80 grit going across and yeah it's, oh, it's a sunburn and depending on you know the severity of it you know it could it could lay you up for a couple of days or you put some potato slices over your eyes and a bunch of ice in there and you're good for the next day but it's not something you want to do all the time yeah so since we were talking about the younger generation what's the biggest piece of advice you have for someone considering a career in welding because i i personally i have no idea how someone would even go about that route don't be afraid to work hard, man. Um, if you work hard in this trade, you can, you can reap the rewards. It, it's going to pay dividends. There's a lot of money to be made out there. There's a lot of employment opportunities. Go get some quality education. If you know that welding is what you want to do, go find a decent school or, or a good mentor because not everybody has a decent school close to them. Find somebody that's actually doing it and, you know, kind of pick their brain. Like I said, you can reach out to people on Instagram. They can ask, you know, answer any questions you have for them, but, you know, definitely do your research, make sure, it's the right career for you. And um, if you don't like hard work, if you don't like getting out of bed early in the morning and, and going to bed late at night and working six, seven, you know, 10 or 12 hour days, maybe welding's not for you. I mean, be honest with yourself before you get into it. So you, you had mentioned you picked up the, uh, the podcast around episode 119. Uh, you still have quite a few episodes under your belt. Um, so I'm assuming that you've been able to gather a lot of experience and knowledge from uh, just educating people over the years and doing the podcast uh, to kind of give us a little state of like the, the future of the industry and kind of the theme that you're get, gathering from the guests. How are people feeling about the industry in the next five years? Are people extremely excited? Are you finding the next generation that's, uh, you know, perking up to the career in the industry? Um, what, what's the theme that you're finding there? The people are excited. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of work out there. And if, you know, if you, if you're not afraid of hard work, you can make a lot of money doing it. I mean, like you guys said earlier, infrastructure's failing, uh, bridges need to be built. So there's, there's going to be work. So, I mean, if you're looking at uh, a career that you can actually do for a lifetime, welding is a good career to get into. I mean, most of the people I talk to, I mean, I talked to one guy the other day, he's got three years worth of work just sitting in the yard at his company and they can't crank it out fast enough. There's a huge, I mean, along with other trades, but there's a huge national shortage of welders. Because, you know, for the longest time, people were told, hey, go get a degree. Don't work with your hands. Don't, you know, yeah. people that work blue collar, they're just stupid. Those are the ones that couldn't make it in school. And those are the same people that, you know, they're, they're cashing their six-figure paychecks on the way to the bank, laughing at everybody else. You know, they're struggling to pay their bills with their white-collar jobs. Not that you're going to come out and make six figures right off the bat, but, you know, depending on what you want to do, the, the, the path you want to take in welding, you can have a very lucrative, lucrative career depending on the, the path that you want to take and, uh, sacrifices that you want to make. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of work out there. I want to jump backwards for just a second because I'm still com- com- kind of unsure. Uh, 
regarding welding as a career, do you have to go to college for this or is this something like, are, are, yeah. cert, are certs a must when hiring? No. So um, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for this. Uh, so oh, certs, certs are a good way. And this is what I tell my students. Certs are a good way to get your foot in the door somewhere. But at the end of the day, it's the employer's responsibility to tra- or to test you to their standards and their tests and their quality manuals. Um, I tell my students all the time, you know, get your certs while you're in welding school, but just understand that it's not a golden ticket. You know, that employer is going to test you when you get there. So just because you can pass a test here doesn't mean you're going to pass the test to, to get in for employment. Every job you go to, they're supposed to test you. Now, they have the option uh, under the engineer or, you know, the, the owner of the company or whoever to accept certs from other companies or schools. Um, but if they're doing what they're supposed to, they should be qualifying you to their procedures and the type of work that they're doing in their shop. Therefore, you should almost test when you get there. So if yep. you're good, you're good. Yep. And I mean, test in school, because I mean, get that, get that test anxiety out of the way, you know, learn how to take that test. Don't be afraid of it. And I tell people all the time, you know, they're coming through the program or I reach out to them on Instagram, you know, you should treat every weld as if it's a test. That way, when, you know, when you come up to a test, I mean, it, all you're doing at the end of the day, you're just welding, you know, you're not doing anything different. Don't do anything different because it's a test. Treat every weld as, as if it's a test and you'll do fine. Same attitude the whole way through. Yep. Not, not the whole, I can't see it from my house. Yep. Fight like you train, train like <laughs> fight. And you only know one way to do it. Before we wrap up, we had Christine on who gave us the rundown on what you guys are doing with crew. Uh, give us a little insight on your side um, as to what you hope to do with crew and building your podcast. Um, it, kind of one of the reasons I joined crew is because their mission statement line almost verbatim up with mine. My, my whole mission statement with the Arc Junkies podcast is to help educate and inspire the next generation of welders. Crew wants to do the same thing across blue collars. Um, so whether you're a heavy equipment operator, you're a plumber, electrician, asphalt, concrete worker, you know, whatever, um, we need you in the trades. There's plenty of room for you. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to show people that, you know, you can make skilled trades of plan A. You know, you just, you don't have to go to college. College isn't for everybody. If, I mean, if you, if you want to go to college and, you know, you think that's the right path for you, have at it. But, you know, just don't think that it's either that or working at the local burger shack. You know, there's, there's plenty of opportunities out there in blue collar trades and there's a lot of successful people that get into the trades and, you know, work a, a full career in it and make a good life doing it or they start their own business. Uh, there's just a lot of opportunities in there. So that's kind of what we do with Crew Collaborative is we're going to be doing classroom talks, talking to different students, letting them know that, hey, you know, there's there's a plan A out there and it, it doesn't always have to involve college or joining the military. Not there's, there's anything wrong with either one of those paths, but I mean, that's the the two paths everybody's been told for so long. Like if you can't make it in school, you know, you might as well go join the military because, you know, that's, that's not for everybody either. You know? So, I mean, think about what you want to do. And if you like working with your hands, there's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of successful people, way more successful than me that work with their hands every single day and they build cool shit doing it and they're leaving a legacy behind. They actually like doing it too. That's the difference. So that's, that's kind of what crew's mission is to, educate and inspire the next generation of blue tra- or blue collar trades workers. I'm hoping one day it's kind of talked about in classrooms that the trades aren't necessarily a, a backup plan. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind the, of the mission of crew. That's the big thing right now is it's everything's a backup plan in construction. Oh, you're here. You must be a felon or you're just a dumbass. Like yeah. there, there's more to it than that. I might be a dumbass, but I'm smart at what I do. I've, I've had students in my classrooms with bachelor's degrees in engineering. They just found out that, Hey, you know, that 
that wasn't the right work for me. You know, I, I really like working with my hands. I want to give this welding thing a shot. And they've, they've gone off to do great things in, in the welding industry. There's been a lot of people popping up that have degrees in certain things, but they mm -hmm. like, they realize that, holy shit, this might not be for me. Mm -hmm. And then they find themselves working with their hands. And that's freaking awesome. If it yeah. takes you going through college to figure out like, hey, the trades are an option. I mean, it had to happen, but. I, I, I worked for the guys side by side with the Iron Workers Union. It, it wasn't until, you know, a couple months into it that I realized that he had a bachelor's degree in accounting. And I was like, man, you got a bachelor's in accounting. Why the hell are you out here slinging decking? Yeah. You know, <laughs> why aren't you out there sitting in the office somewhere crunching numbers? And he's like, I didn't enjoy the work and it was hard to find a job. And. You know, is you know the job market just wasn't there when I got out, and it, you know I I liked working with my hands, so I got into iron working, and I never looked back. See, that's the thing that's so excited about construction too is you don't have like an oversaturation of people working for the same exact job. Mm -hmm. You have such a shortage where you're you know if you're good, you're guaranteed a spot, and you can work your way up, and you can make a lot of money doing it. And if you love it, it's even better. And yeah. I think that's probably what's most exciting. And plus there's an opportunity cost too going to college. I mean, college debt, I mean, that's a real thing for a lot of people and it can destroy families in your future. And yeah. so you should really be considering if that's the right path for you and something that you genuinely want to invest in because, or you can take the route and learn something, learn the trades and you're starting to make money at a very, very young age. Yeah. And you're well off and you like doing it spending a lot less time in school to do it. Like my, my welding yeah. program, if they take level one and level two, you know, they, they're, they're done in 40 weeks, you know, as opposed to a four-year degree somewhere. And at your four-year degree mark, you're, you're just getting started. You know, there's more education after that. The, th the thing that's interesting too, is a lot of these companies too, that maybe have set the standard, uh, like the corporate industry for college degrees and getting that piece of paper, they're not requiring it anymore. So right. it's like, you got to start adjusting to the future too of like some of these college degrees, they're not even and these big companies, they're not even requiring me to get these. And so I, I think that's something to consider too. If a lot of these companies start moving away from that, I mean, how much is it really worth? Mm -hmm. My dad worked union. He built the, the dorm rooms out here. Uh, he ran crews and he had a guy that, went to college for many, many years. He was successful in what he did, but he didn't find love in what he did. And he became a carpenter and he worked in the union. This dude, he, he stands out for a reason because he'd pull up every day in a Lamborghini Huracan. And my dad said, it's one of the few jobs that like you might get dirty, you might work your ass off, but this dude could afford a Huracan and drove up in an exotic every single day, got out, busted his ass, and then hopped in his freaking exotic and drove home. And it's like, there's not a whole lot of career paths you can do without a degree that can enable you to do that. Yeah. I love that. I'll your screwdriver <laughs> your back pocket and climb in. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Jason, before we uh, wrap up our episodes, we end with our fast five. Uh, basically what the fast five is, five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. They're very extremely uh, serious questions, so feel free to have fun with them. Okay. Um, the first one, if you could trade lives with someone, who would it be? Silverback Gorilla. Hell yeah. That's nice. kind of cool. May I ask why? That was totally unexpected. I don't like people. <laughs> Fuck me either. I, I like people, but uh, I think it'd be cool just to live out in the middle of the woods. Be the king of the jungle. That's the real king. Yeah. Number two, you've been given an elephant. You can't get rid of it. What would you do with it? 
Well, he's in the jungle already. I ride to work every day. <laughs> ride to work. <laughs> pulling up an exotic. Yeah, I'm pulling up my exotic. How many, <laughs> how many guys you know in the welding trade that roll up on an elephant every day? One now. Uh, yeah. yeah, just you. <laughs> Me, the wizard. <laughs> the wizard. Number three, if you could have any superpower, which one would you choose? Flying. That's a solid one. Flying silverback gorilla. On an elephant. On an Hell elephant. yeah. That's a, that's a sight, man. We're getting creative on the show today. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? Keep working. Never stop. Never stop learning. I think that, that's the biggest thing. You said one sentence, but yeah, never stop learning. We'll accept it. It was a good one. Number five, what does bread to build mean to you? It's inherent in your DNA. Like you were born to do it. Like a Clydesdale. You're born like to work. Clydesdale. I love all the animal references today. We got elephants, <laughs> silverbacks, Clydesdale. God, where's our show going to go? This is good. Jason. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on the bread to build podcast before we let you off the hook let's plug the podcast and everything where can people find and connect with you uh people can find uh the podcast on wherever fine podcasts are downloadable it's called the arc junkies podcast uh if you swing by itunes please feel free to leave a, a response or a, a review on there you can find me on instagram at arc junkies podcast um that's pretty much it We'll, we'll plug you in the show notes too. For So for anyone listening, check those uh, show notes out. Guys, thanks for listening to the 16th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, you like hearing about silverback gorillas, uh, what else, elephants, flying, everything else, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Hammer and all platforms at Brett Gillen. Thank you guys for listening. It's It's been an interesting one. First time with a welder. You guys can find me on all platforms at Matt Bangswood and Hammer at Matt. And then, um, yeah, somewhere else as well. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Yeah.